0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors.
2: When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewinder Around with John Pollock and Waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, Downloaded a Tuesday morning from the post-wrestling site. It's
1: Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Wade, take the
2: mic. Welcome to Rewind A Raw. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting, repping the all blue hat, no logos attached to Mr. Ting. He doesn't, uh, his, his loyalty is to the solid colors tonight.
0: Yeah, sure. And, and your loyalty as usual is to nothing because you aren't wearing a hat. You're wearing clad. Uh, That's your
2: loyalty. To Baba. Oh, Baba.
0: To, to Giant Baba, of course, of course. Of course.
2: How are you, Wei? Doing well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Thank you for asking. How, how
2: was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was uh, tumultuous. T- tumultuous, okay. It was. I, um, if you listen to Friday, we're... I was forecasting that illness was coming. I knew it was coming, so I was ready for it. But it was not going to uh, steer me away from uh, uh, some, some happenings this weekend. Actually, our uh, mutual friend Pat LaProd was in town, so I met up with him on Saturday. Uh, we, we got to uh, hang out for a little bit. And then Saturday night, I was, uh, I had to watch my kids. And so Max had been sick last week. And Saturday, he was like rounding the corner. He was getting better. And then Evie got sick on Saturday night. So what this meant was me uh, watching them on Saturday night. Usually it's, it can be kind of chill if it's at night, they just go to sleep and I can do whatever. She woke up every 30 minutes just crying and crying and crying that was my whole saturday night was taking care of her as i was getting sick and mm. so both of us were sick and then sunday was just i was a zombie uh of battling this uh this cold but i'm on the mend i feel i feel i'm i'm like at a good like 74 percent now
0: i'm sorry to hear that that sounds like a very common occurrence um not you know not just with um people with kids but i guess if you have kids you're bound to maybe give it give it to the parents and parents are going to give it to every the rest of the population right yes. so uh we should just really stop school shouldn't we that's <sighs> really the culprit
2: not not the worst idea but then yeah so and then and then way was the recipient of my problems because then my mom got sick and she is not able to come over tomorrow so i had to blow up my day tomorrow um anyway gotcha. this is this is the uh the creative world where it's just you get these curveballs and you got to Make uh all these all these uh changes, but understandable part of the fun. is yeah yes. well, well thank you for making it here tonight i'm I'm here, I'm ready to go. Did you have a good weekend? did you watch any uh so the funny part I mentioned so Pat Leprod was in town he went to the Jays game, so mm-hmm. I said, well, let's meet up after the game, sure, so you know it's like bottom of the eighth inning, I set out to go meet him, and I get there. it's like bottom of the ninth it's tied Uh-oh. to the tenth inning they go to the 11th inning i'm just sitting at like this bar i'm just like hanging out to the 12th dude this thing went 13 innings
0: oh geez and i heard about this actually from oh yeah
2: yeah they won so it was good and then they came back and won the next day against boston as well so they're they're in the wild card hunt with uh like 12 games to go or so
0: you had a fun game to watch at least by yourself
2: (laughs) you know as funny as it is like, I followed it on the MLB, like, at, like it's real-time updating, like, down to the pitch. They've got these great graphics. It was like, man, if I was religiously wanting to follow this team, it's a tremendous, easy way to follow this. And I was like, I was just like handing out. I was like, you know, just having a beer, following along with the game. I was on this nice patio. It's like, this is not that bad at all. You this is a how time. you should enjoy a baseball game.
0: I mean, it's kind of, it's not unlike, you know, I guess getting updates on the radio, I suppose in the past, right? A little bit. Yeah. No,
2: I was like, okay. I got to sit on a patio with my headphones on. I'm just, you know, it was a good time. This was a John Pollock night out. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. Anyway. So, um, did you get up to anything wild this weekend? uh
0: i honestly like you you ask me this every single weekend and i'm I'm usually just so focused on like just the day that i i don't even remember really much of what i did so
2: are you watching anything right now yeah
0: yeah um so you know on on off nights where like i'm not recording i i spend a lot of time just like hanging out with my wife and a lot of what we do is just like watching like bad asian reality tv shows and (laughs) we just that's what we did this weekend weekend we binged a bunch of shows including um I don't even want to talk about it. I recommend so one to me. I have to really recommend Love After Divorce. It is fantastic. Love it is on after Netflix. Divorce. Yeah, it's so okay. great. It follows just just a bunch of like Korean people that like um have gone. They've gotten through four divorce. seasons out of this. Yeah, they've gotten divorced, and but this is like the only the first season that they they they've uh, put the show up on Netflix, and they're using like Korean Americans basically. So um. They move them all into a house in Cancun and they start off like not really revealing any of their sort of past. Like you don't know their ages. You don't know where they live. You don't know like, you know, whether or not they have children, you know, obviously like big questions that you would want answered first, right? Before getting involved, they don't reveal this stuff until like, you know, like a week or week and a half in. So they're already like bonded. They developed these relationships. And yet last night was when they revealed whether whether or not they had children. So dropping it's
2: what's, what's the protocol like that's a lot to drop on someone on a first date oh yeah well um
0: okay but I would at least depends I think on what what you're looking for like for a lot of people that's something you should put you know in your profile that should be up front you know whether or not you have children yeah I would say so um but at the very least like a second date I feel that's that would be anyway so these people are, like, bonded, and
2: then, like, you know... How about disclosing if you're divorced? Is that really any of their business? You know what? That, like, that it, shouldn't it, have any bearing on someone's interest in you or not. I don't... Yeah, think. maybe not for a first date,
0: I suppose. But, um...
2: Yeah, maybe... I don't know. Like... It's not like this... It, it shouldn't be on your profile, either. Like, the Scarlet... Divorced. Looking yeah. for... Love.
0: No, no, no. But I I think that's different from... That's, like... Sometimes it's almost just, like, even just a big breakup, Right um depends i guess how significant maybe your marriage was but children is is pretty significant i would say so
2: now if you were in this situation and say you were uh this is say date number uh 2 or 3 and then you you reveal i have a child mm-hmm. and the woman says oh i think i'm going to end this now fair Her, game of or course. is that or are you going to somewhat have a distorted view of that not person? at all no because I would react the same way if I was in... I, I would say out loud to them, absolute, I completely understand, but I would absolutely harbor a grudge. Uh, I would well, think less of the person, probably. Okay. But that's my vanity, speaking. Like, I would be... Well, just, sure. I would take but, it offensively.
0: Okay, but what if you're on the other end, you're dating somebody, and I think even second date is too, too late, kind of, for me personally.
2: Godway, like, I mean... If you, if you, you, could you imagine the fir- your first date and you and you drop that? That's a lot. That's a lot for the first date.
0: I guess it depends on like what stage you are at in life. You know, if you're looking to you know for something committed, or if you're just looking to have fun, then I guess it's not 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 as relevant. But if you're you know looking for a long term partner, shouldn't you know this stuff at at the beginning? It's like telling somebody like it's like not telling somebody that you oh I actually I, I'm from a different country like it you know or at least like I, I don't live here. I'm only a tourist. You know, on the first
2: date. you know, what would be the best thing to do on your first date? If you tr- if you truly want to make this work, OK, number one, this is showcasing a, a tremendous amount of trust. And I think right away, the person is either going to get you immediately or will be just totally spooked. But you just state, listen, you selected me from this profile. This is how I look like in person. Type in my code. Here's my phone. You have five minutes to go through my phone. You can see what wow. music I listen to. You can go through my photos. You could go into my contacts for all I care. You, I DMs? am an open book. Really? Wow. Five minutes, and I'm an open book. Okay. Now you maybe can, some you people could see would a lot be, in five
0: minutes. That's quite I know.
2: Wild. I I would just go for it. It was like, listen, if you see anything in there that makes you not want to have date number two, fine. But I'm I'm giving you this. You will see photos like who's that? Who's that? And I have to answer, mm-hmm. and I will give you a truthful answer. I,
0: you know that's not really the i think the worst idea that's a great way to
2: prove that you have nothing to hide nothing yeah who's this attractive woman that's my ex we go out for coffee once a month mm-hmm. issue with that yes or no let's get it all out on the table date one i think it would actually blow them away and again yeah. it's a risky move but i think one that if it pays off you've got them
0: you know if, if there are any people that are currently uh, on the market they're 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 dating i love love it love it if somebody could actually try
2: this okay Report Love back, yes. after divorce. I'm interested. So. It's great. Okay. Thanks. You. That was a great answer. Yeah. Think well, we were going to go down. Hold that it path, out of you. me. From this past weekend, everyone, Uh, you know, I was sick. So I had a lot of listening. We had a man, a, a mammoth two and a half hour edition of collision course with uh, the <laughs> the collision of Kate from Montreal and Bruce Lord from a uh, New Order and Joy Division references all coming at me left and right and then sunday night man the iron man himself andrew thompson he goes all day reporting news on the site and then he throws in a 3 hour podcast at the end of the day with chris <laughs> ealy and nate milton these guys are maniacs and they have uh, i i i uh, i Hand on my heart, swear I've only listened to the first hour so far. I've not heard the whole thing.
0: I'm um, an hour and a half in. I mean, I I always end up finishing them because they, they're just great. Like they they, I think they're concerned that like the the shows are too long. They don't have to worry for me. Like I, they are
2: such know, soothing like, voices to yeah. listen to. Like yeah, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on a on a conversation.
0: Both the shows I, over the weekend, I thought were were really great. So, um Lash Legend was, catching some strays in there from Chris. Well, um. <laughs> Uh, A a lot of Lash Legend defenders as well on on the NWA podcast. So uh, listen to that for their thoughts on Jade and a great collision review from Bruce and Kate, who uh, might be reuniting sooner than later. But I believe this weekend we have the return of John (laughs) Cena. Yeah, Yeah. John
2: Cena is about to be... Utility Unless John Cena wants to do the review with Kate, then we could uh, we can make we could make an exception for one week.
0: No, no. Also, I, I was saying John Cena is about to be a big utility player for us in the way that John Cena has, because we're about to rely on him a whole lot. No, Cena's
2: going to be doing a lot more in a in a oh, in a yeah. match by match scenario than Cena's doing in mm-hmm. these matches. Also, uh, the Cubs fan from Lucha Blog has a great report up on the site from uh, the CMLL Anniversario show from Saturday night at Arena Mexico. I've not had a chance to see the show yet, but uh, tons of great praise for this show, and in particular the, the hair versus hair match, uh, followed by the mask versus mask match uh, at the end. Of that were your final three matches with the tag that set up uh, the hair versus hair match. You can check out that report from the Cubs fan. Uh, the authority when it comes to Lucha Libre news. Uh, go check out all of his fine work, Lucha Blog, Dot .com as well. And uh, we won't uh, plug too much coming up. But uh, we have four cafe shows, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, starting off with rewind away. It is the last of McGinnis, a documentary that we reviewed eons ago. Uh, but thankfully, it's been so long that we have forgotten this documentary. So we're rewatching it. And we will share all of our thoughts this Thursday, uh, with myself and Wei Ting. You know, the last time we reviewed this, we interviewed Nigel for this documentary
0: is that right interesting
2: yes and if you uh go off into cyberspace you can probably come across that uh that review and interview
0: a lot has happened of course to uh, nigel McGuinness in his career since then
2: so this is a much more uplifting back. documentary at the end knowing the, the path forward absolutely absolutely but i think it's a wonderful this is, this is a real like like it's it's by design like it's oh yeah pretty much like the the plot line is there are not always happy endings in this industry and mm-hmm. that's sort of how this ends I thought I, I so I, you
0: know, I, I started it today. I I sought to uh, finish it, but like I, so far it's it. Uh, I'm reminded of just how authentic of um sort of like um snapshot of this moment in his life. This is, you know, he the man like produced it, edited, it, um, did it all himself. And it's I think it's just a perfect it. yeah. It's like a perfect encapsulation of like maybe that sort of hopelessness, you know, that might come from a time where you feel like you're you you have not accomplished your dream. So I look forward to talking about it with you.
2: And then Rewind to SmackDown, Collision Course, and then Sunday, Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson are reviewing the New Japan destruction in Kobe card that is headlined by Will Ospreay and Yoda Suji. So a lot of great stuff. Post Wrestling Six dollars gets you access for 30 days and multiple bonus shows each and every week, as well as uh, access to call in to rewind to SmackDown five years of archives, every rewind away with 138 and counting.
0: Pretty sure we have over a thousand bonus podcasts right now. Over A thousand? Yeah. I think we passed the 1000 mark. So congrats. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Not just impact. Yeah. Post Wrestling Cafe 1000. We really should have celebrated it. Last thing I do want to mention. We have a, a really great feature coming up on the site tomorrow, don't we from Jack one on?
2: Yes, he has done a great job. He uh, pitched me this idea and I thought it sounded great. He has dove into the, the growing community of pro wrestling, uh, TikTok pro wrestling users on TikTok and sort of just the, the amount of edits that are coming out of that world and, you know, battling things like copyright strikes and just like, just, Really impressive numbers that some of these videos are generating on TikTok and speaking to a lot of the more popular users in the TikTok world as well. So he did a lot of original reporting for this. So that is going to be dropping uh, on Tuesday. So check out Jack's work. That'll be up Tuesday morning at postwrestling.com.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to to your thoughts on, on it all and whether or not we should be, you know, featuring a lot more of these um, sort of like research based you know, looks into sort of, um, I guess, the subcultures of professional wrestling.
2: News to go over. Over the weekend, uh, Emile Dupree died at the age of 86. Uh, Dupree, who was the the father of Rene Dupree, that many people would be familiar from his time in, in WWE. But he was uh, not just a, a wrestler. He, he started wrestling in the mid-50s and went all over the place from St. Louis Uh, Jim Crockett promotions, did uh, time in AWA, Texas, Montreal, Stampede, went to Australia for World Championship Wrestling, and uh, wrestled as late as uh, 1988. Uh, But it's, for many, are going to remember him as the key promoter in the Maritimes in Canada, and every summer would do these tours, and it would be nightly shows, and he would end up doing these, like, into the 90s, and then into the 2000s, at a time when like territories were long gone and this was sort of like this final existing territory where people looking for experience could go and work nightly in these towns over the course of two to three months in the summer but he was someone that um learned under Jim Barnett and and Johnny Doyle and when he was at his peak promoting Atlantic Grand Prix wrestling all the big names came through there like Andre the Giant, Harley Race, Ric Flair and sort of petered out once uh, around 1990 because you know, the WWF just became such a behemoth that a lot of these territories just dried up. And it was the the battle against the, the dominant player that was WWF, but he did get back into it around 97 when uh, both Renee and his other son, Jeff were getting into wrestling. Renee went further than his brother, but it was those like in 97, he was still getting like a young Adam Copeland, a young Christian, um, and then experience names like Rick Martell and Bad News Allen on those shows. And you, you just stock them up with some veterans, whether they be like a Ron Hutchison, a Rip Rogers, um, you know, and continue these into the 2000s. They went as late as 2017 trying to revive uh, the, these tours. But, you know, he was somebody like a, a journeyman wrestler. He he teamed on uh, with, with Pat Patterson on some of the earliest um Uh, atlantic grand prix shows back in in the 60s and such so he was 86 years of age and uh uh, rest in peace to emile dupree so uh a real like throwback to just a different era of wrestling that was able to exist for decades beyond in in that part uh, of canada when uh territories have largely they have uh completely dried up but you know where you know a lot of talent were able to get like nightly experience working in front of different crowds and for an edge or a Christian at that time in 97, just to get to work with a, a Rick Martel or a bad news Allen, like it might not have been the biggest crowds that they performed in front of, but I am sure invaluable experience at, at that time. And it was pretty rare in the nineties to have that, that kind of schedule. So you can also read uh, Greg Oliver has a really good story on him at, at slam wrestling. If you want to check that out, Nick Hausman from house of wrestling reporting today that it is expected that CM punk, not, going to take legal action in regards to AEW Um, doesn't go too much further into the the rationale other than CM Punk is looking to move on from uh, this this part of of his life and I would also think that if you were to sit down and go over the uh, the issues at hand from this incident at Wembley Stadium coupled with the fact that there is allegedly footage of this incident with Jack Perry probably a good idea to maybe like just let's move on let's go our separate ways and that's probably the prudent and more cost uh the more beneficial cost option
0: you're also going up against somebody pretty much with infinite funds and probably an incredible team of lawyers that I, I i i don't know you know hard to say like he could just truly not want to pursue the hassle and the stress attached to something like this i have a feeling a lot of people only have one of these incredibly um stressful legal battles once in their lives um or could be that he doesn't feel like he has as much of a case we we don't really I, know when can fathom
2: like once you've been through this once like forget once like twice like this would be years, it would just bleed him of yeah. legal fees that I mean for what mm-hmm. like you're talking about like this could go on for years. You're almost forty five years old. I mean, this is to me the uh, the prudent choice to make for what would, pre-
0: would it prevent him from starting with another company that doesn't want that extra baggage you know from from a lawsuit attached to them so
2: yeah. hey um there's a pretty big story going on, and it um is going to impact Raw for this entire season. So with the ongoing writer's strike, uh, ABC has now picked up 10 additional Monday night football games that will be simulcast from ESPN. So that means that, uh, like, for instance, um, last week we saw the power of a big New York Jets-Buffalo-Bills game that was airing on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus, so all the big Disney platforms, and did over 26 million viewers combined, and tonight was a different experiment where there were two Monday Night Football games airing, so at... Uh, Like 7.15 p.m., you had like the ABC and ESPN Plus game, and then an hour later, the ESPN, ESPN2 game. So you have two games simulcast on two separate platforms going against Raw. And now we're going to see instead of just a handful of games that are on ESPN and ABC, we're going to have... Uh, 10 simulcast games plus four exclusive games airing on ABC. So what that means for Raw is that there are going to be millions more watching football uh, because of this. And the other thought is if this proves to be a winning strategy for ABC, this is what we see. What comes out of strikes is you have to be creative. And if we can do this many million viewers with a simulcast, why are we going to spend all these millions on original programming to program Monday nights for ABC when we can just air these football games and millions more are going to watch it. And Mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, a bigger thing that could come out of this strike. And if there's copycats of different networks that are going to find other simulcast programming or coming up with other creative ways that, because like budgets are going to be slashed uh, when all the bleeding from this strike is felt like we're, going up on, you know, 150 days or so of this strike. And there are going to be huge ramifications when whenever the, the strike is settled.
0: Certainly, yeah. I mean, in, in the short term, it sounds like it's pretty bad for Raw and, and the WWE and really anybody going up against football. But are there benefits to WWE in the long term? I mean, does this not just continue to prove the value of sports franchises for TV networks?
2: Where it's interesting is that NBC, the voice is coming back next week. The voice is not impacted by the strike. So the idea of NBC tinkering with Raw, at least for this season of The Voice, I don't think that would be an option. But long term, like you could certainly look at this idea of of does do they get to a point where Raw is valuable enough? Like this is not 10 years ago where Raw is a good number on cable, but would not would not clear the amount needed on network mm-hmm. today it's very different dynamics and i would think if if the voice had not been something they had ready to start next week i could have very well seen nbc trying out raw simulcast on nbc and just seeing what the what the numbers would be and it, it, w- it would not stun me at some point if if they tried that out whether it's putting an hour of raw two hours of raw but i don't think that's going to happen at least in the in the short term but getting back to your point, I do think overall, like WWE is going to be strengthened by the fact that, um, you know, it's short term. It's if last week is an indication, like this is going to be a big hit that WWE takes each Monday, maybe not as badly as last week, but it is, you know, going to be worse competition, but it's still going to manage to be among the top cable programs outside of football. It'll probably be the top program outside of football. Um,
0: which, can you see a day where Raw is no longer on Mondays?
2: Yes, I could. I don't see that changing because I think that the the one guarantee is that NBC Universal is going to keep Raw. But I mean, they've stated as much. I don't think they are tied to any one night at all. If there's a reason to move it, they will. I think SmackDown. I think there's a very decent probability of it moving. <laughs> it on can go anywhere, really. It could go to any night of the week, and Fridays mm-hmm. make a whole lot less sense if if it's going to an Amazon. So. Um yeah, I I I would see Raw probably staying in place, but I would never be married to just Monday nights if if there's a reason for them. And if you're looking at this, like, yeah, with ABC and NBC, does that or sorry, with ABC and ESPN simulcasting these games, um, you know, it's only a portion of the year, but this is a night when they could be winning the night as opposed to going against ESPN programming all these weeks that are even hurt worse with the abc audience so a big television story uh, today too uh, and will impact the whole season naomichi marafuji and will osprey had their match on sunday uh core and hall was uh, packed. the announced audience was just over 1500 and uh, i don't know if you got to see any of the, of the match way, but this thing was uh, it, it was an excellent match the atmosphere was so cool and will osprey when this bell rung there was no one that was more of a fan and in just just totally like grinning more than Will Ospreay. Like he was he was decked out in the Noah colors of like the, the black, green and white. And, you know, he was just in the ring here with it, with his idol. And the audience was just totally with it here. And um, some of the highlights of the match included uh, uh, Marfuji hitting the, the Shiranui onto the edge of the apron and they just blasted one another with these huge chops. And they got to the spot that uh, Wei has brought up here. They hold hands and then continue to chop one another. So neither will go down as they're holding their hand, chopping with each's uh, right hand to the other. That was a very cool spot. Um, the hidden blade landed. Both guys were down. And then after an OS cutter, uh, Osprey hits the tiger driver and Marfuji kicks out at 1. The place exploded. He then hits the hidden blade and the stormbreaker. So Osprey wins clean in 23 minutes and then Osprey got onto the microphone and states how his first Noah VHS he got when he was 16 years old and from that point on he was a loyal Noah fan he is just so thankful to Mara Fuji for sharing this ring tonight and for 25 years he bowed down to him like this guy was just the biggest Mara Fuji fan and uh and then just handed the the mic and the ring over to uh to Mara Fuji, who just uh sent everybody home but i mean this was the atmosphere more than anything but it was it was a really entertaining match on on top of that like Mara Fuji uh just like turned back the clock and had a phenomenal phenomenal match with uh will offer not, not match of the year level but the atmosphere made this one of the to me more memorable matches of, of the year that that you're going to remember
0: it sounds awesome it's certainly on my list and um I'm just happy that you know Marufuji at this point in his career can at least get the, these sort of flowers. You know, um, you don't like any match against Will Osprey, deservedly so. Like gets a lot of attention, and and it's hard to get that. I think if you're Noah, if you're really any promotion other than you know AEW and and uh, uh, WWE and New Japan at this point, so
2: I'm really happy to see this get the spotlight. Um, it's on Wrestle Universe, right? It's on Russell Universe. Yes. Uh, English and Japanese commentary. You can choose from as well for that. I also want to just talk about the uh, the main event from Saturday's UFC card. This was the uh, their their Mexican Independence Day show and they they theme the show around like everything was just catered to the Mexican market it's very rare that UFC gets out of its sort of cookie cutter production presentation and they they really did for this card and they ended up doing like over 18,000 people at the T-Mobile arena for this card and it was headlined by Alexa Grosso who in her last fight uh, upset Valentina Shevchenko to win the championship in the fourth round so this was the rematch and Shevchenko who is the greatest flyweight uh, in, in the history of, you could say, MMA, really. Um, so this this was an interesting fight going in, and it ended up being a super competitive fight that came down to the, the fifth round. I think most people had it even after four rounds with Shevchenko winning the first and third, Grosso winning the second round, and I had her winning the fourth. The fourth ended up being the closest of the five rounds that I think most gave to Grosso, but... A Shevchenko scorecard was not um, a, a crazy one either. The fourth was the closest. But regardless, it was tied going into the fifth. And Shevchenko just made this egregious error, going for like this standing head and arm choke and got reversed instantly. And Grosso took her back and dominated her for the final portions of this fight. Now, I say dominate, but it was it was not to the point that you thought this fight was going to end. And that's where the controversy came because the fight ends... And they read the scorecards. It's a 48-47 for Grosso, a 48-47 for Shevchenko, which, again, the fourth round could have gone either way. You can accept either score. And the third scorecard from Mike Bell is a 47-47 card. And he scored the fifth round 10-8 for Alexa Grosso. And there was just outrage that this could not have been a 10-8 round. I did not score any of these rounds 10-8. I didn't think it was a crazy... um, scorecard but it's just it just did not meet the criteria of what a 10-8 round is and had he just gone 10-9 he had given the fourth to Shevchenko so this it would have given Shevchenko um, the win had he not gone 10-8 in the last round so it ends up being a split draw and now it's interesting in terms of whether they do a third fight because Shevchenko has now lost to Grasso and then had a draw And you have two rising contenders, contenders in Aaron Blanchfield and uh, Manon Firo, who are waiting. They're unbeaten in the UFC. You've got two quality contenders, um, but you could also argue going to a third fight between these two. But it was an excellent fight, very compelling. And again, it was two rounds apiece on my card going into the fifth round. And Grosso has improved just exponentially over these these fights with Shevchenko. She was such a massive underdog in the first fight uh with Valentina and in, in this fight. I mean, it was it was Shevchenko making the the critical error in the 5th round much like she made one uh in the in the fight earlier this year as well. But it was a great fight and a really cool atmosphere m- much like the the Japan show uh from, from Noah as well. Way have you seen highlights And will you be seeking out the bullet train match involving Minoru Suzuki and Senshiro Takagi that seems to have, like, this could be one that crosses over. For all we talk about mainstream crossover, this might be the one that just attracts non-wrestling fans to see this thing. I couldn't take my eyes off the highlights today i
0: saw plenty of the highlights uh for this i believe i was like um actually online as it was happening and i think a lot of people were actually like sending out videos as this match was taking place um as bizarre as i think it sounds um i was a big fan of um when these two did their tokyo dome empty stadium brawl um i thought it was incredibly creative and hilarious and i'm sure this is pretty much the opposite you know whereas i think the tokyo dome is about as sprawling as of a venue as you can get this is two wrestlers packed inside a cabin of a bullet train and uh i'm very curious to see just as uh, i am whatever ddt tries a stunt like this of what they what the result is
2: this is really the the public service announcement from the government of japan officially ending covid like this is we're, we're through the worst of it
0: oh god uh i guess for for japan as opposed you do we, you do have a man with a, a couple people wear a mask you do yeah. I,
2: I i masked up today
0: when i when i went out uh, it's that season um yeah my parents actually like now are, are actually dealing with it so yeah. um it's that
2: it, in it, fact i was uh i had my mask on i was in the lineup at uh at tim horton's and the people ahead of me they were discussing alexa grasso Valentina shevchenko from saturday there you go mainstream fight Mm -hmm. uh some ratings notes so smackdown uh huge number with the return of the rock uh, 2,569,000 viewers, 0. 0.7 in the 18 to 49 demo. Their viewership was up 23% and the demo up 33%. This would be the second largest audience for SmackDown this year behind the Bray Wyatt-Terry Funk uh, tribute special from a few weeks back. Um, all numbers were up, gigantic numbers, like up 33% in 18 to 49, 33% in 18 to 34, 32% in 35 to 49. I guess my question to you, way. Do you think that this is? It was worth doing the surprise appearance, and just I just can't imagine what the audience would have been if they just announced on the Pat McAfee show, "Hey Pat, let's let's go hit up SmackDown tonight." Um, I, I think they would have cleared three million viewers.
0: Very possible, yeah. Um, I don't exactly know what factors might have gone into you know the, the lead up to that particular appearance. I mean. At what point did they receive full confirmation that Dwayne Johnson was going to be a part of the show? I, I, I don't really know. I will also say I think once in a while to do surprises like this is is just a wonderful sort of little bonus and and a wonderful little payoff for people who are sticking with your show and have chosen to you know make it a priority. And if for the people that you know haven't, um, it's a great way to maybe create regret for people that aren't watching Smackdown um and ultimately yeah they might lose out on like a you know 3 million viewership but in the in the grand scheme of things when it comes to these sort of like tv negotiation things is a one night 3 million you know viewership that valuable
2: I guess I just look at them like I understand the the nature of the the surprise element. I guess there's just a certain level where it's like certain people that, man, it's like, what are you, what are you costing yourself uh, versus
0: what uh, are they costing themselves? Like what, uh, well, we don't than, know. We don't
2: know. Cause they didn't do
0: but other than bragging rights. What, what really good is, is a three, like a one night, 3 million viewership.
2: I mean, is. I mean, it tells you like when we have something hot, like what is, what is our limit of what audience we can attract in this time when viewership just is going down, 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 and we can show a spike like this for for something like this i mean it does tell you like on a friday night this is this is what we can do when we have all cylinders firing
0: well if the um, rocket River returns for wrestlemania we'll know i guess
2: right what this maybe they is. should keep it uh, a surprise the actual like main- Cody Rhodes at wrestlemania yeah. <laughs> the actual main event is a surprise sure it's a surprise this year uh rampage not such great news and this it would be interesting to look at because it seems like it is quite the trend that when there's a big smackdown like your, think, your thought process would be so many people are watching wrestling that Rampage would be helped by that. It's quite often the opposite that a big SmackDown. They get their fill and Rampage is hurt. It's not even like a standard number. It's like a bad number for Rampage. And that's what they had on Friday. 336,000 viewers down 13% from last week and a 0.09 in the demo, which was a drop of 28%. Their lowest demo number of the year in their normal time slot on Friday nights. And female viewership was just scary low. Um, women 18 to 49 fell 46%. Women 18 to 34 Dropped 72% from last year. Uh, men 18 to 34, not healthy either, down 35%. And um, it was 35 to 49. That was a lot more steady than the younger demos. And the, the peak quarter was, for viewership, was the opening uh, eight-man with Hardy's and the Lucha Bros against Jarrett Lethal, Butcher and Blade, uh, Jade Cargill and Chris Statlander. They did add 7% in viewers from the previous quarter for their main event, but yeah, it, it was just a poor number for for Rampage on Friday, whether you think Smackdown uh, was a correlation or c- c- I was very interested in this. I would think that this Rampage would have uh, done a bit better for a, a decently built up main event match for Rampage. I, I wouldn't say it was really was it really decently built up? I mean, when did we last not seen? not decently built up? But when they announced it almost it, like, it, like it was it almost like a tried- bigger match than Rampage typically gets. OK, that's
0: not wrong, but it almost felt like they were going out of, out of the way to almost like hide it, you know, like sneak it in, you know, like what rather than like if they really wanted to feature Jade Cargill in her last bench, they would have put her on Dynamite.
2: They could have. Yeah, they they but could have they done chose not to. Dynamite in, instead. But anyway, that was hmm. uh, that. And um, we, we don't typically go through the impact numbers, but I was curious and Russell uh, Russellnomics had the numbers here. So what did Impact 1000 mean? And they ended up doing 107,000 viewers and a 0.01 in the 18 to 49 demo. The 107,000 viewership was down 6% from the previous week. Although in the 18 to 49 number, they grew from 5,000 the week before to 19,000 this week, a two-week high for Impact. So if your question was, was Impact 1000, the Nostalgia Show going to bring back all of these viewers the answer was it was not it was you know it was a two-week high in the 18 to 49 and their overall viewership was actually down from the previous week and it like when we're talking here like a point zero one in the 18 to 49 and that was technically a growth from the week before it, it does put it into perspective of where impact is and it is <laughs> a very very small audience
0: honestly like because there's so much wwe a run programming there's so much now aew a run programming um i i don't i think it's gonna i don't know what it'll really take for an impact to you know create uh, something significant um that'll make a difference um and i think that might kind of go for rampage as well like rampage is a casualty probably of their you know collision now being a, a much more kind of like relevant show and nxt i think also growing its relevance as well
2: a, a hot WWE. I mean, it's going to impact everyone. And I think uh, it's just all the hours. I think we're very much moving into a, a fan base that it's going to be a huge percentage that it's WWE, AEW, and very little else that mm. is going to struggle to break through unless you have something very meaningful and special um, that, that you can draw upon. Last thing here are the lineups for the next two nights. So NXT on Tuesday, they announced Becky Lynch will be on the show uh, tomorrow night Carmelo Hayes takes on Dominic Mysterio, Roxanne Perez versus Lola Vice, and then in the Global Heritage Invitational, Joe Coffee faces Duke Hudson. And in the other tournament match, a rematch from Takeover Chicago, one of the, I would say, better WWE matches of the last decade. Tyler Bate against Butch on NXT Tuesday.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they have a they have a high standard to recreate from 2017. But we will mm-hmm. see if uh if uh Butch still has his bite with Tyler Bate. And then Grand Slam. So they have now moved over 7,500 tickets for the show, but that has also been a combination of uh, prices being lowered, uh, two-for-one uh, sales as well, and quite the aggression when it comes to their on-air pushing for the show. They, they put out a 90-minute special on Eddie Kingston and Claudio um, going through the, their history, their Ring of Honor matches. I could really see that match ending the show on Wednesday.
0: You don't think Joe versus MJF at the title will end it?
2: Uh, It just feels as though this is building, like, if this is Eddie's title win, I think that's the big moment on the show.
0: But MJF is a hometown guy, too.
2: He is. He is. I mean, you could see either one. Um, Now, Eddie Kingston also said that his family would be in attendance. So that could be a tip uh off. Send
0: them home, Eddie. You don't want that. That's not good luck this year. Could be an issue. Work for Soraya. Work for Soraya, though. Yeah,
2: that's true. She, She bucked the trend. They have to get involved. That's what they need to do. So this is the lineup MJF and Samoa Joe Claudio and Eddie Kingston title versus title Jericho against Sammy Saray against Tony storm and John Moxley against Ray Phoenix. And they've also announced uh, multiple matches for the two hour rampage on Friday night. (laughs) This is insane, dude. There's just so many hours every single week. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is all coming up this week. Um, We will see. We will see. Uh, What
0: are you going to watch rampage? Will you watch rampage this week?
2: I, I usually watch Rampage after we record on, on Friday nights, but okay. I don't know. Two hours no chance
0: of us staying up to watch it before we do a review. Probably not. I'm just I I'm speaking I, I for John. I, 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 I don't yeah, think I can. It would be too late. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast,
2: All right, we will now move on over to Raw. All of your news can be found postwrestling.com. And tonight's episode came to you from the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. And at the beginning of the show, they noted, um, well, they, they actually posted this earlier in the evening that Eric of the Viking Raiders not medically cleared. So the two out of three falls match between the New Day and Viking Raiders was changed to Kofi Kingston against Ivar, which was decided upon rock, paper, scissors, American rules. What's American about rock paper scissors? I don't know. We play it in Canada. Yeah, I believe we came you. up with all these weird things. Like you could do dynamite. Did you ever have that?
0: I could do dynamite. Like what? I can work Wednesday's. What are you talking this, about?
2: No, they would. This, this is what people in my schoolyard would do. They would come up with something called dynamite in this game. I'm like that's not the game. It's not rock paper scissors dynamite. I so what, so what
0: beats dynamite? I'm curious. Uh,
2: well, if you go by their theory, dynamite beats everything. I'm like, this isn't a game. <laughs> this isn't a game. <laughs> dynamite i love it this is my school okay this is this is what i had to grow up around okay explains a lot i know cody rhodes is out very strong reception he's cut off by dominic and he states that jay uso is going to join the judgment day Rhea's not here after nia jacks injured her and he's dedicating his win tonight to her cody then compares dominic and Rhea's relationship to steve urkel and laura winslow and in that moment cody really did age himself
0: yeah i mean um
2: it's also a really lame reference.
0: I, I never watched it, um, really, Family Matters, but I guess I know the characters. Um, is that really the best, <laughs> uh, the best reference he could have uh, created for this type of relationship?
2: I I hope that this guy has watched like some contemporary television <laughs> that he could have a better example of an odd couple than Laura Winslow and Stephen Urkel. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, wow. maybe we're gonna get Stefan Mysterio when he goes. I would fancy. argue he's
0: in a Stefan phase right now. Oh, he could was Steve be.
2: Urkel when he was with his dad. Cody then brings up that it appears that Mommy has eyes for Jay Uso, and Dominic loses it. So they are pushing this, uh, this potential mm-hmm. um, love after divorce for Mommy and uh, Dominic. Ooh. And Balor and Priest arrive. He does have kids, I believe. So he, I hope he lets lets her know. That's true. They announced a uh, Dominic and Dragon Lee is going to happen next Monday on Raw for the North American title. As Dragon Lee is in the crowd and and got a backstage pass later. So that's interesting that they're going to do that on Raw instead of on yeah. NXT.
0: Very interesting. It makes you wonder if like you know he'll have any sort of integration into any of the current storylines on Raw, like is there a reason that he's on NXT rather than what they usually do and that's have him, you know, have uh, have a match down it. Uh, or sorry, on Raw instead of NXT. I don't know. So, but I generally like any attempt at like trying to make these shows feel more cohesive.
2: Cody and Dominic. I mean, this was very short. We had, uh, they promoted Dom's match with Carmelo Hayes tomorrow and then Balor yanks Cody off the apron. Cody comes back, stops a suplex to hit the Cody cutter and crossroads, pins him in two minutes and 11 seconds. So Cody Rhodes, your new North American champion. Um... <laughs>
0: I don't think he'll Destroyed he's him. Two emergency. minutes. No. Well, he, um now he gets a title shot. I think that's how it works. You know, he. Oh,
2: did I miss the promo where he announced he's now going? He's he's going to finish this story, going for the North American title.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know if this. Is <laughs> I don't think of,
2: it's on Cody's to do list. The, this no, title.
0: No. Um. Yeah, just a really quick match, and and I think just a showcase for Cody as uh, we get into our next segment here.
2: Judgment Day get ready to enter the ring when Owens and Zayn run down to back up Cody and Judgment Day backs down. Owen says, Cody, come back here. I have something to tell you. So we go to commercial break and we have to wait at the edge of our seat. What what does Kevin have to say? So we come back and he says, Jay Uso is back on raw because of you. Why did you think this was a good idea? Because I want to hear your answer. And so do a lot of people in the back. Cody states, my job is to make these people happy. The crowd likes Jay. People deserve second chances. And, uh, So yes, he let's get this straight. Cody says that people deserve second chances. And even though there's a lot of people in the locker room that don't care for this guy, the audience will be happy by this person being brought into our company.
0: Okay. Very interesting, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wait, wait. And then said, the fact is Jay is one of the best in the world.
0: Very interesting. I didn't even catch that last line. Um,
2: So, yes, like
0: there are a lot of parallels between Jey Uso being sort of like a hated member of the locker room uh, from an enemy, you know, company or I should say brand. Um,
2: AEW is the bloodline.
0: (laughs) Uh, Collision, I guess, maybe. Yeah, whatever. It's very interesting. I'm sure maybe some writers are are being very deliberately, um, I don't know, clever with it. But I also have a good feeling that all of this was already in motion even before everything happened at all in or all out. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some very subtle, very clever, you know, inside references there. But I think it all completely works with what's going on.
2: Zane pipes in and notes that it just takes Kevin longer to warm up to people. And the fact is you and I gave each other a second chance and it led to us winning the titles at WrestleMania. Owens brings up how Jay costs Zane, the title cost Cody, the title, and has cost me multiple title matches over the years. And he's going to join judgment day. I don't trust him, but I do trust you too. And I hope you're right. As we see Kevin Owens leave. I thought this was really great. Like here is someone that listen, he's flat out stating he doesn't trust this guy, but he believes in Cody and Sammy Zayn. And um, this, this, I, I like the idea of just where this is going and, Which which way uh, this is going to go with with Jey Uso? That kind of set the tone for the show.
0: It's it's some of the magic that I think I really loved about like the Bloodline at its peak, you know, with Sami Zayn and whether or not the rest of the members would be accepting of him joining the group. Um, now instead of the Bloodline accepting Sami Zayn, it's the Raw roster baby faces having to accept Jey Uso. Uh, All of it just continues to feel like a very relatable, you know, scenario. And this felt like a very relatable conversation between friends about letting somebody they all used to hate join them at the, you know, lunch table at the cafeteria or something like that. And you have here three baby faces who I think are at a pro wrestling level, very good at, carrying out and acting you know the the uh, a storyline like this so the whole show i thought turned out great but this was a great starting segment to kick it off
2: kofi Kingston against ivar and We saw uh, Kingston sent to the floor and Ivar hit a splash off the apron to set us to the commercial break. And Kingston battles back, manages the SOS and a boom drop and calls for the trouble in paradise. Ivar ducks and then he blocks the SOS into a into a tiger driver for a two count. Ivar climbs to the second turnbuckle and Valhalla signals to go to the top. So Ivar climbs and hits a top rope moonsault, which Kofi kicks out of. And they've really got the crowd by this point. They're fighting on the turnbuckle. Sunset bomb to Ivar and hits the trouble in paradise. Kofi wins in 13 minutes and four seconds. And Michael Cole calls it a breakout night for Ivar. Which I get what he's st- He's stating. It just feels kind of weird in the context, like the guy just lost the match and it was like, Ivar, great job, Ivar. But I that understand. tends to
0: happen. I mean, it happens in the UFC, doesn't it? You know, if a fighter loses, like, I mean, Stephen Bonner, you know, you, would you call the Forrest Griffin match or a breakout match for Stephen Bonner? I, I think you
2: would. Right. It was, th- this is a very good match. I thought that they and th- this one started very cold. Like I can't say Kofi Kingston against Ivar w- was starting at a, a at a heightened interest.
0: I had negative interest for this two out of three falls match between these two tag teams. I had even less interest when they downgraded it to a one on one match. So I was very surprised when I found myself so captivated for this match. I thought Ivar. To to maybe you know Cole's point, I I thought he was excellent here. You know, I think his appeal has always been his ability to do moves that a super heavyweight should not be doing, and this match was full of it—a ton of dives, splashes, that beautiful moonsault that I actually felt like should have ended the match. Like, what a way to just you know make a statement and uh, to break him out and to give a new finisher really for both Ivar and the Viking Raiders. Although I don't know how often he'd wanna use this moonsault um for the rest of his career but it all served to create a really good cat and mouse performance for kofi to overcome and it, this was the most engaged i've been for anything Viking vikings and new day in quite a while
2: it's a big night when the viking raiders have gotten on the good side of waiting
0: yes it is yeah
2: jackie redmond interviews the highlight of the night i was sure to catch all the references to the highlight of the night ricochet the highlight what, of what night. reference is that this is his nickname the highlight of the night that they've got to preface him with every time
0: Okay, this is his new nickname.
2: This is going to be his freaking. He says he's no one's pawn. Nakamura made it personal when he attacked him last week. You can continue to throw flames in my face, but it only fires me up. It's Like, dude, don't take that literally. And he's the cheat code. Tonight, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Nakamura comes out and Rollins runs past security and Nakamura flees the ring. Rollins is chasing him as they explain that Nakamura has gotten into the head of seth rollins and this was the start of mind games mind games
0: i'd say the mind games have already gone on for a bit
2: they they reminded you many many times of what games are being played by nakamura so nakamura takes on ricochet and nakamura gets the heat after a cheap shot and ricochet he would fight back with a standing shooting star and nakamura targets the ribs first after a handspring by ricochet he's hit with a sliding drop kick and then the ribs to uh, the knee strike to the ribs in the corner is hit by nakamura ricochet avoids a knee in the corner and does a springboard high cross and the ref counts one two and nakamura manages like the laziest shoulder up kick out his shoulder doesn't even leave the mat this is the most nothing shoulder up spot and and the uh, even maybe he was really hurt well uh okay
0: takes a lot to fine. kick out. And a, the, the, how long was this match? It was like a 20-minute match. I mean, he must have been exhausted. Well, a really good crossbody.
2: Nakamura um, regained his health because then he swept him on the edge, runs into an insiguri, and then Nakamura's like, F this. Grabs a chair, is hit with a super kick. Ricochet takes the chair. Should I do it? I've got to. And he hits Nakamura. The ref calls for the DQ. And then Ricochet tries to explain to the ref <laughs> Listen, he was going to hit me first. I just beat him to the punch. It's like, no, that's not how these work. And uh, you're disqualified, There's sir. no self-defense laws. Yeah, in not at pro all. Pro wrestling. So Nakamura hits him from behind. More mind games, the announcers state. He hits a Kinshasa to the back of the head, snaps the knee around the post, and then attacks him with the chair. Thankfully, nowhere near the knee where he hit the post. But then Rollins returns, and this, this was the best. He returns to attack Nakamura and goes for a pedigree but his back body dropped onto the chair. And this is the crippling blow. You know, no, not the bad back. He's just landed onto the chair with the bad back. And they explain Nakamura has suckered Rollins in again. And Nakamura continues the attack and drops him on the desk back first. As Wade Barrett pronounces, we are witnessing the mental and physical destruction of the world heavyweight champion, as Nakamura then grabs a Seth Rollins fathead from the audience. And this was legitimately the best part of this segment, was Nakamura's improv here, grabbing this uh, Rollins head. Uh, Fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe this is what he should wrestle as. You know, fathead <laughs> Seth Rollins. Um, listen, um, maybe the, the post-match, the beginning and the end, I thought it was really good. They had some pretty heated sort of pull-aparts here with uh, Seth Rollins and Shin get Nakamura. And I know they have a story to tell here, but man, how long was this match on?
2: It was like, 13 minutes, and that's not including the pre-match attack, the post-match attack. And- too
0: long, like like, and too long for a DQ finish. I know, I know, they're trying to like I built a match number three between Nakamura and, and, and Ricochet. I I don't even care to see it yet at this point. Um, but I thought the match itself wasn't even that great. You know, I thought it was slow paced. I thought it was just like. Mm, not- I'm
2: into this Nakamura character. I am not into him in these main event uh positions. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and that coupled like Rollins is just doing so much overacting with this yeah. like later on we'd get the example of it, but it's just like it it's getting into hokey territory for me this idea <laughs> that this man is losing his mind because of this guy i
0: like the story but it relies on an actor that can actually sell it like convincingly and i i don't know if rollins is is that type of guy
2: yeah the man the man does not know what what a a five is on on the scale it's it's 11 or bust so rollins is taken to the trainer's room as wade reflects that he is unraveling in front of our eyes (laughs) Byron Saxton interviews Chelsea green and Piper Niven and green states Stark and Baszler aren't even a real team. A real team means friendship. And Piper says, what country am I from? If we're such good friends and green guesses, Florida and Niven walks away before uh, Byron informs her that she is from Scotland. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was our remains of the tag division match, Chelsea green and Piper Niven against Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. It was a non-title because you do have to work your way towards a a title match. And uh, Stark hit her twisting senton on Chelsea Green. Stark then drills Green with a kick to the face, and Baszler knees Niven off the apron. And they go to the floor when all of a sudden Nia Jax appears and just attacks Niven and takes out all of the women, including Baszler, who they do draw the uh, draws back to their previous team when Baszler shattered her arm. And that was the end we saw of Nia Jax. So she hit her with the bonsai drop called the Annihilator. And Nia calls it open season. I would call this, um, we have no idea for a follow-up. So this was it where Rhea was not on the show tonight.
0: I mean, I would say this was good follow-up, don't you think? I mean, the the, the, the this is still an introduction or reintroduction of Nia Jax, and I, I don't know the reason why, you know, exactly Rhea wasn't there, but I don't think this was a wasted week for Nia Jax, you know? There are certainly a lot of concerns over the past week about Nia's return beyond, I think, her ability to work a great match. It's her ability to often hurt her, her colleagues here um I'll they kind should of... have
2: played the stevie richards breakdown <laughs> to explain how <laughs> devastating the annihilator is that's a,
0: he, he he'd be a great commentator i'm sure to talk about just how rough of a move that is okay, she is didn't she... like she let go of the ropes that means it hurts extra hard yeah but as a segment and as a character i think all of these attacks have been working you know they're making naya feel like a very dominant dominant force capable of destroying the entire division including Shayna baszler who has been protected pretty well since the ronda match um and I would say after this week, she feels like a threat that has completely taken over the division, which is, I think, something that they need for Rhea and for Becky.
2: Well, where where do you, do you have a follow up? Like, my only thing, like the champions are whatever. I think that that's a lost cause. Baszler and Stark are sort of in that role. Yeah. And they were just meant to be, you know, your yeah. 98 cruiserweight division when Kevin Nash would run in and ba- like Baszler and Stark feel like, OK, our A side has left and now we're moving on without Ronda, without Trish. And I wasn't as optimistic uh, based on this, this viewing here, but I would what? think the fact that they focused on this, you at least get a Naya Shane, a match out of this, but that could very well just be a setup to get to Naya and Rhea and,
0: at this point it seems like it would be you know it seems like they might be sacrificing everybody in order order to get naya up there ready for a rhea ripley um i wasn't a fan of having shayna in this position especially because they have been so protective of her um i think she could have been spared and if she even beat up the rest of the three it would have been perfectly fine and might have even you know gave you a bit more interest in seeing naya versus shayna eventually just
2: have baszler staring a hole down from from the floor and you could still get to this match and you have this backstory but Mm -hmm. i don't know i I don't know if they're going to be all in on 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 shana post ronda but we'll see Mm -hmm. pierce meets with chad gable and uh For for all our uh, our talk, this was Chad Gable dialing a a lot back to have more of a compromise with the comedic version uh, of Chad Gable as he wants a rematch with Gunther Pierce notes. It was a career making performance, but you need to earn your way back. And Bronson Reed enters and they argue to set up a match, which apparently Pierce just had an open segment coming up and they got the match.
0: Well, I'm sure there's a lot of flex on the show. Okay, matches end early. Matches go a bit longer. He's just, you know, he's an improviser.
2: We were just going to do video packages for the next quarter hour. But you know what? You're both here. You both have your gear on. Let's do a match. And you know what? The show always works out to, to three hours. They always hit their mark somehow. Jackie Redman interviewed Jay Uso. And he knows he has a target on his back. And he has history with Drew McIntyre. Damian Priest walks in and he asks him for a favor. The Judgment Day want an Uso. And they're pushing for Jimmy, but Priest wants main event Jay Uso. It's like they want Jimmy. All we've had is Dominic and Balor courting this guy. When have they showed any interest in Jimmy?
0: You mean, um, like that? Well, we don't know internally what they discussed after Friday. Dominic's they, the guy that's been like going after this guy. Um, right. So I guess they're after both Uso's, but Priest. I mean, this is all just you know sort of manipulation from Priest, isn't it? Who knows what what what's the truth?
2: Well, they can be family—the family that Jay's been looking for his whole life. But don't make me look bad in front of my family. And we want an answer by the end of the night. And this was the rare time when they built up, and you actually did get an answer at the end of the night.
0: Totally. They didn't, they didn't make us wait like two, three weeks for it. As they dropped, I thought it. this yeah. was
2: minimum a month when they set this up tonight. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, this, this show like really had this story moving throughout, and I liked Priest here. He, you know, I loved when he said. Blood only makes you a relative and not family. I I thought that was a, a great line from Priest. And um Finn Diesel's gonna steal that one. Uh, you know what? Probably straight out of a Fast and Furious movie. Um maybe yeah. He he like if he
2: shaved his head, I think he'd I know, be. I know, I uh, know. he could. a bit of a Dom Toretto um himself. Man, Dom but, and Dom and uh <laughs> Dom Mysterio and Damien uh, Damian Toretto. <laughs> I guess Finn would would be Brian. Rhea would be uh
0: who is she? Like, is uh, she it uh, Brewster? Um, <laughs> uh, sure. Anyway, great, really great stuff. I also love like the subtle thread here. He said, "You know, don't make me look bad in front of my family."
2: <laughs> Chad Gable and Bronson Reed, nice match that they had here. Gable uh, had an armbar on the ropes. Reed missed a splash, and then there's a swan dive headbutt delivered by Gable. Reed hits him with an avalanche. Senton lands on the knees, and Gable goes to the back and is slammed down by Reed. And Reed just climbs up, hits the tsunami, and pins Gable in eight minutes and 40 seconds. Clean.
0: Yeah, this was a finish that certainly surprised me. I mean, you know, Gable, I think still a guy coming off the fumes of Gunther and trying to, like, ha- has caught, I think, considerable momentum, you know, from the audience and seeing him in, in this new light. So I didn't think he would lose any matches in, in this uh sort of come up
2: rapidly. Right? No, Especially- this is that's not how you build a baby. You beat them into the ground. <laughs> and then you have the underdog story. This well- is this is a, this is a great sign for for Chad Gable. I think, I think he should so. lose every single week for six months. Please don't jinx it. But clearly they see Gable
0: as this sort of underdog character. And you know what? Like thinking like I am waiting and seeing for this one because this could just be like. Listen, they they're reminding you of Gable Gable's like uh, attempts at challenging Gunther again. They're keeping that alive. We saw that in the open uh prior segment with Pierce, so that they haven't thrown that out. But in the meantime, I don't think he's going to face Gunther for quite a while. And so he needs bigger obstacles for him to overcome to continue, you know, getting hot in front of this crowd. Maybe this was just a way to build Bronson Reed up so that hopefully Gable can beat him a bit more definitively later on. Uh, You know, the whole dispute backstage was whether or not Gable could suplex um, Bronson Reed. And we never got that here. So that could be the big payoff spot you get at the end of all this.
2: Champa tells us that he made an agreement with himself to play the long game on raw. And he's, he's been doing that. He's been playing the long game. I want to know what game Johnny Gargano chose to play out of sight. Out of mind is what I'm playing. He's waited and waited, but Mm -hmm. patience is not a virtue in this universe. You have to create your own opportunities. And he tells Gunther that title is what I want. It's like, you couldn't Mm -hmm. have come up with this like six months ago. You've just waited and played the long game.
0: Well, he thought it would come to him eventually.
2: Great great forecast by Champa.
0: This just really seemed like a promo to explain like the lack of attention paid to his booking over the past, I don't know, year and a half. He thought hanging out with the Miz was going to get him to this position. But wrong choice. Wrong. Yeah.
2: Becky Lynch beating Tiffany Stratton. Uh, We saw some highlights of that and Owens and Zane are in the backstage area. And Jay walks up and tells Owens, just say it to my face. No one says, okay, cool. I think you're joining the judgment day and I don't trust you. And you can tell me whatever you want. Uh, So he just goes off and he tells Sammy, I'm going to the car. And Zane tells Jay that Kevin needs time to come around and to chill and it seems like you have a big choice to make tonight. And then Zayn takes off. So this was the explanation for Owens and Sammy not being there for Jay. They did establish that they were leaving the arena.
0: Mm, yes. Okay. I didn't even realize, but that makes total sense.
2: God damn, that, You don't have to explain that. They're just busy.
0: It's good attention to detail.
2: Becky comes out and she wants to defend and elevate the NXT women's title because NXT represents the future of the business. It represents hope and progress. And wants to test herself. She's going to be on NXT tomorrow night. She is issuing an open challenge. Need some more open challenges in this business. And she says, and I can't think of a better place than now. And I can't think of a better time than Ah, I messed that up as natalia's music plays (laughs) (laughs) yeah oops so at least she she was aware of her uh, flub here but no
0: beyond beyond the flub i thought becky did great with this promo i mean this i think is has been the most valuable nxt integration they've had thus far of a main roster member um beyond i think just having a you know like one of their highest ratings ever for that overrun um having the highlight package here of becky lynch versus stratton made that match look even better and i think made NXT feel like that much more must see and her putting over like NXT being the future of, of everything I I thought held a bit more weight than, you know, your usual NXT integration on raw.
2: So Natalia comes out to answer the challenge. And this was interesting because um, Sean Ross Sapp had reported that the original idea was, it was going to be Becky Lynch against Tegan Knox on the show, which would make sense given what Becky outlined here. Mm-hmm. Instead, they went with this direction where, Natalia explains that she took Rhea Ripley to the limit eight weeks ago and I've been waiting backstage ever since for a chance so I accept and Becky explains this was meant for someone new that hasn't had a chance yet and Natalia's response is you went down to NXT and leapfrogged over all the other women you're just a hypocritical ginger witch so Becky accepts the open challenge which it's kind of, it is an open challenge. So you can't really have the caveat there, but it was just odd that like the promo, like it just, like it was perfect. Like this promo was designed for Tegan Knox to answer this. And instead they went with Natalia and then they had to come up with a reason to justify it.
0: But I thought the counter reason was, was really good for Natalia or sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good for Natalia here. You know, Becky is a hypocrite. How could she claim this open challenge when she herself is taking the, the, the spot, Of somebody from NXT so I thought it was like a perfectly logical argument from both sides and it led to like increased interest in this match especially like with Natalia here coming in with a good deal of like fire and intensity um like if this wasn't set to be this week I could have seen this being the exact promo that you would have had a week later
2: so they had a, a seven minute match and The sharpshooter gets blocked by Becky and Natalia gets driven into the turnbuckle. We see a discus lariat from Natalia. The sharpshooter is countered to the disarmer. And then we get a series of roll-up counters ending with Becky catching her in 7 minutes and 16 seconds to retain the NXT Women's Championship.
0: For short TV, man, I thought these two did tremendously well. Like, like I said, I thought they came in with a lot of intensity, just coming off of the promo segment here. Um, and Natalia seemed to wrestle the match like with a real sense of urgency, and she lost the match with all that urgency. You know, they like this was not a long match, and it ended almost like um, I don't want to say fluke, but it was not like a definitive like manhandle slam one two three. Becky caught her, and that's because Natalia was essentially rushing you know, because she was so pissed off. And I thought it was a lovely little kind of like,
2: like story. That... Oh, in the fifth round, she just got excited, went for that head and arm choke and boom.
0: Exactly. That it might as well have been a split draw here. Um, but I thought Natalia like was really good here. Maybe she does have a real chip on her shoulder for not being featured on TV for a long time,
2: despite basically like bailing well, them out. From... Well, if, if it's a chip on her shoulder for not being on TV, then Tegan Knox has a mountain on her. Do you, do you oh, know how many certainly. times she's been on raw this year? <laughs> well listen
0: she's how many playing, matches she's
2: had on raw this she's year She's playing
0: the long One. game okay she's using the tomaso champa um, um playbook here but uh i thought even after the match natalia like her expression of just continued frustration was really strong here and i i don't think it's that often where i've actually felt optimism for a natalia run so i don't know if this is supposed to lead to anything but i think there's enough here of like you know just somebody who's actually pissed off and 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 you know, is, is sick of this, you know, it looks like she's about to bag groceries, you know, like is she sick of like, you know, being in this place in her career, much like Nigel McGuinness was in twenty
2: thirteen. Okay, well, maybe Natalia's gonna get into a car and reflect on her career next week. Maybe. Adam Pierce is with Dragon Lee and Dominic barges in, blames Rhea not being here for him losing, and says that Naya should have been punished and he doesn't like people with masks. It's like, listen. OK, there's there, we're just getting through a pandemic. OK, and he reminds them <laughs> of it. He said, masks remind me of my deadbeat dad. And uh, Dragon Lee says, I am leaving Raw as the NXT North American champion next week. Uh, thank you for showing up, Dragon. We'll see you next week. Well, I mean, again, like
0: you saw it with Tiffany Stratton. You've seen it with a lot of people that they you know, would feature on the main roster, at these sort of appearances. And uh, hopefully it leads to. I, I, you know an increased sort of profile it does tell you that they believe enough in dragon lee to put him in a match on raw and also a speaking segment here and i thought he did perfectly fine
2: yeah i'm interested to see the kind of match he can have next week i don't know if dominic would be your ideal opponent to be a showcase for dragon lee but it is wow. yeah, it's, it's, i just think for if you were to to go out there the a, a guy I, I would want like a really solid base with dragon lee to go out and just do an incredible but people match. hate
0: Dominic, so they're going to be for Dragon Lee.
2: uh, they're going to be. I just don't know, like how how great of a match it's going to be. We'll see. Maybe, it, maybe I would be think Dominic weird. would be
0: pretty familiar with you know a, a, a lot of what Dragon Lee is is able to do. But uh, well,
2: yeah, well, I'm I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out. Giovanni Vinci took on Tommaso Ciampa. Crowd was not that hot for this match. Gunther is watching in the back. He never came out here. And uh, Ciampa hits an inverted DDT and starts shaking the ropes like Ultimate Warrior and removes his knee pad, channeling Takeshita here, and he goes for the knee, but Kaiser distracts, allowing Vinci to go for a roll-up, but ends up getting a a reverse cross into a knee strike by Ciampa, who applies the Sicilian escape in 528 and uh, submits. Kaiser not happy with Vinci, who I think he's on like his 80th chance with Imperium. Like this guy just screws up every week.
0: Yeah, I don't know, exa- know exactly what they're doing with Vinci here. They continue to tease that, like, he's sort of like the, I guess the, I don't know. weak link. The, the weak link of the group, but they never really, like, give us a result of it. Like, what is it building to? Is he supposed to, like, turn on the group eventually? Like, it just kind of seem to always drop it. So No maybe- one's
2: clamoring for it either. It's not like yeah. they're, like, th- I, this is going to be death for Vinci if they I, cut him out of the group or something.
0: I love Imperium as, as like, a three-man group, and and I, I just want to see Vinci maybe... Have more of a role within the group and maybe this will lead to that, but I would hate to see the result be him exiting the group um, crowd was definitely called for this and I think it tells you the status of Tommaso Ciampa-, Ciampa right now. He's just not somebody that the crowd cares so much about, but he does continue to throw in those DIY teases here. They're purposely not calling it the Gargano escape. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, what all that's about
2: saxton meets a limping seth he's like hey seth freaking rollins like even in the heat of the moment he's got to get the freaking in and rollins uh, much like orange cassidy he says i'm tired and i'm in a lot of pain and i'm trying to keep it together but i'm losing my mind <sighs> <laughs> and maybe i need to take my hands off the wheel because you see we're building the fast lane Hmm. And he tells Nakamura to name – look at this face. Like, this summarize it perfectly. Name the time, the place. You can even name the stipulation. And Byron Saxton here in this image, he's watching Seth Rollins unravel physically and mentally. This just did it in for me. I just feel this I, – I, I've been a champion of this program overall, uh, but tonight did not do uh, – did not provide me any evidence to support it.
0: I felt the, the exact same way. And it's not just because I do a podcast with you. But like I, I find like maybe we've even um sort of um disagreed often on like maybe recent Seth Rollins work. I, I, I feel like he has waves where he can still do like sometimes the fake laugh. But when he gets serious, like it feels genuine. And I think we saw a lot of that recently. This was – a serious segment he was meant to cut a serious promo but it was so over the top angry that it felt cartoonish and i think that's just more of a weakness of his ability to not know how much
2: uh, it felt like hints of his joker portrayal in that wrestlemania ad in this that's what i got from it yeah (laughs) yeah like he somehow got that mixed up in the delivery here it was just designed to be serious but just sounded so cartoonish
0: what it felt like to me was like a bad Randy Savage impression, like complete with, you know, taking off the glasses and trying to look serious at the camera and almost like doing a similar type of voice. And
2: um, it was just overacting, you know, next week on the show, Balor and priest against Owens and Zane in a rematch for the tag titles, Bronson Reed against Otis and Nakamura responds to Rollins challenge. The main event is J Uso against Drew McIntyre and so the, the story is that Drew won the title in an empty arena and could not celebrate with the fans. So at Clash at the Castle, that was supposed to be his big moment. And Jay Uso was one of the people that prevented him from winning at Clash at the Castle. However, they did not explain that the night before on SmackDown, Drew took out the Usos who were not on the card at Clash at the Castle. What? They weren't? They, they weren't even on the card. It was Solo Sokoa who cost Drew oh, when he so debuted. Right. Now, later in the show, they explained earlier in the week, Jay was involved in a chair attack on Drew on TV before Drew took them out on SmackDown. So that's their mm-hmm. tie-in. So okay. they weren't completely ignoring this, But these two were not even part of the clash at the castle, the Usos. So
0: Well, that's a, that's a technicality. I mean,
2: he... Tells if you how invigorated was... I was when I'm going back on my notes uh, here to clash at the castle and uh, thank realize that for,
0: nice. for, for for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, I mean, OK, it's not a watertight story, but how many people would would have extensive knowledge like you do, John? You know, most of us don't even remember past two weeks ago. So <laughs> thank you, though.
2: Jay hits the uh, suicide dive twice and then Judgment Day comes out, we go through a commercial. The Claymore gets stopped when Damian Priest gets involved and that leads to a super kick by Jay and they're asking man if Jay uh he benefited there from Damian Priest getting involved. So Priest gets on the apron, he's rallying Jay and as Jay has to make the decision, boom, he super kicks Priest. He super kicks and he super kicks Dominic and the crowd comes alive for the super kicks. They're getting an advancement in the story and Mm -hmm. he turns around and gets blasted with the Claymore and Drew McIntyre pins him in 14 minutes and 13 seconds. I thought it was...
0: Like a good match, but I thought it was a fantastic finish, and this was one of those distraction finishes that was anything but dissatisfying. Because you can definitely argue that the bigger result of this match, more so than the actual outcome of the of the you know part, the the, the Drew versus Jay itself was the question of whether or not Jay was going to accept the Judgment Judgment Day's invitation, and you got that very clear answer: he will not. Um, in fact, he ended up sacrificing his win in order to make that answer and it endears jay more so to the audience and possibly even to drew as well and it's set up like a really great little moment here and like you said john we got actual advancement in this story so it made this match and this show overall feel like a worthwhile edition of raw
2: yeah it was interesting. like the audience came alive for that aspect like the of jay taking out judgment day so it was like a movement forward The Judgment Day surround Jay in the ring, and Drew is watching from uh, the the entranceway and just watches them attack him, and Drew walks away. Again, he stops at the entrance when Cody runs down to help, and he fights them off, hits the crossroads on Dominic, and then Cody and Jay are left. Drew is just battling his conscience, and uh, Cody and Jay, they shake hands. And mm-hmm. they did show the handshake. It wasn't just a formality either. So we definitely got, got to see that at the end as they, uh, gotcha. they're buddies. And Drew, can't blame them.
0: So, you know, um, the show kind of started off with, well, Drew and Seth, i sorry, Drew and Sammy on Jay's side drew now has kind of gotten this out of his system you would think so that maybe he's teasing that he would come back let's also not forget though that like he did kind of like say that he he was pissed off at Cody for bringing Jey Uso in so I think the, the ambiguity is still very much there now this is sort of your next mystery is are we going to get a big hug will they hug it out will drew 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 and Jey Uso eventually hug it out and uh We'll find that answer. I think the heel turn for Drew is still very much in play. We don't exactly know what's going to happen. We don't even know what the status of like his relationship with Riddle is right now. Have they dropped that? I I don't exactly know. No Riddle again this week. But um, what's going on with Drew? I think is really interesting, and it's all because they managed to find such a great role for Jey Uso on this entire show.
2: And for yet another episode, they like they have made no reference to this this trade back to SmackDown. Like that has yeah, not been played up at all.
0: I don't believe that they've dropped it. It just might be because they don't intend on revealing it until after what's the next show Fastlane. You know, yes. it might be one of those things where they just might like use it to be like a big sort of like, holy shit moment at the end of a show. Oh, by the way, you're traded, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, they've got it in their back pocket that they can execute. But like, it, in theory, if you're Smackdown, you'd be like, we've lost our guy. Where? Where's our compensation? Right. Again, this is Adam Pierce and like his left hand and his right hand deciding this. There's there's still
0: negotiations going on, maybe. Maybe it gets tacked up to the end of the contract. What did you think about the show? I like the show overall. Like this was a show that, um I'm very sort of like, um, I think um shell-shocked i suppose at this point where like i don't really feel the three hours to be that much of a drag especially because i'm fast forwarding through commercials so after 11
2: years you're acclimated
0: well plus the show is better i have to say you know i think like every segment has relevance and it's a logical show in fact i would say for this Jey uso raw storyline it's beyond logical it's to the point where i'm actually really enjoying it it's all very well told i think every person in this feels like they have their own identity and their own Feelings about Jay Uso being on Raw, whether you're talking about the Judgment Day or Drew or Kevin Owens or Cody Rhodes or Sami Zayn, each one of them has a very unique take on what this sort of like, you know, shake up um means for them.
2: I do like that aspect of you're interested to see where Kevin Owens is going to go, where Drew is going to go, where Jay Uso is going to go. Like you have these characters and who's going to turn on who like that. There's, there's an intrigue to that, that I think, I think the show is heavily relying on and that's going to be your, your basis for uh, your enjoyment of the show. I thought Rollins and Nakamura took uh, a step back tonight on on Mm -hmm. the show. And that had been something I had been, had been more, more of a highlight uh, of the show than not over the last uh, month as well. And I guess for, for a surprise was just that Kofi Kingston Ivar match uh, on on top of it. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm, Definitely not digging all the Nia Jack stuff so far. I mean, it was very minimal tonight, but it was. I would just say overall, the- you don't like Nia Jacks. Is that the reason, or are you are you not a fan of the actual
0: build? Because I would have to disagree. I think they're building her well.
2: Um, I would I would say yeah. I'm not I'm not interested in where this is going. So okay. I mean I'm I'm kind of out from from the beginning point of it. I I think as well the build up. I I do kind of want to hear from her, but this is week two. I think by mm-hmm. next week you have to. Kind of
0: promos also aren't her strong suit. I have to say, like if anything, like should we try? Wh- what more? is the strong suit?
2: Her looking like, like she's, she's coming re- in for her in her looking theory, like she's a main really, event position with rhea Ripley.
0: Her strong suit is that her shit looks like it really hurts because it probably really hurts. Okay, and that's why this has been successful. Like she's getting a bit of a Brock Lesnar push, and Brock, and Brock Lesnar just looks like he could destroy the the, the rest of the roster and doesn't speak a whole lot and i'm wondering if you should take that same philosophy with naya this time around
2: yeah yeah i mean you can you you could give her a mouthpiece you could you could come up with different ways maybe um hmm. um maybe she could write poetry poetry i'm trying to think of out of the box ways to communicate hmm. without talking sign language poetry maybe okay so that that's one for um the, the brainstorming session um but yes that was that was that was raw
0: want to get to some feedback yes we have a few super chats to get to and those of you uh who are watching live can always send a super chat to jump to the front of the line and we thank you guys all of you for um sticking around 12.30 a.m. on a Monday night. Let's go to Andy, who sends a 100 rupees. Thank you, Andy, for all the support. He says, if you had to wager, what is Rock's mania role, and how does it affect Cody? What would you prefer as fans? Cody's story is more narratively fulfilling.
2: Uh, maybe it is, because we haven't... The, the Rock has not shot an angle yet. We don't, we don't have anything to mm-hmm. compare it to. I mean, in theory, there's an amazing story there with The Rock and, and oh, Roman yeah. Reigns. So I don't think you can just dismiss it as... Um, one has a story and one doesn't. Um, you know, you have to look at the value of like the rock wrestling that's a difference maker for WrestleMania. It will look at what the impact was on Friday. And if you can get X amount of appearances and it builds up to a huge WrestleMania, and the key being what you have coming out of that, um, that like there's a very strong argument for that. I know everyone is going to throw to the two nights. I really hate that idea of two nights and i would just feel both you would water them down by it's trying to also such both.
0: a risk john like if roman gets hurt or in one of those matches then what do you do the second
2: it's time? not even that it's even like what did we learn from all in and all out it's like you can't promote two things effectively at the same time and if you're doing mm-hmm. that you're one is going to feel secondary to the other and I think long term that would be more detrimental that Cody feels number two instead of number one
0: so they have done it in the past like for Wrestlemania 10 they've done it for uh, you know the 30 like where they've had to essentially promote like two matches involving the same participants for for the same event um, and, and it's it's been met with like you know mild success but I, I don't I also don't think this is it's the right move for this year um I think if The Rock is available, you do The Rock versus Roman Reigns. There is already a story there. In fact, like even before Cody, I think, caught fire after the Rumble last year. I think all of us were clamoring for The Rock versus Roman Reigns, and then maybe got replaced by Sami Zayn, but we didn't really want Cody. It wasn't until they told that great story and got hot for WrestleMania that we all wanted the Cody match, right? Um, And if they put that same amount of effort and they could easily, 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 just without with minimal effort, be able to tell the bloodline story of The Rock reclaiming his role as the tribal chief. Easy, done. And um, Cody, unfortunately, will probably have to face somebody else. Um, I think there's great opportunity for him to you know face a gunther um there's a certain free agent that might be available in two months that i think might also make for a satisfying dream match that could headline that first night tyrus (laughs) he's retiring i believe so um so there's there's always all those possibilities but it'll have to be a pretty big match i also think finishing the story listen like they might just extend this thing for another year and have Roman keep the belt for another year. It seems so unfathomable, but no, it I would. I no, would like. I a year, now it doesn't feel unfathomable, but like I would have. I would have thought Roman keeping the belt for this year would have been unfathomable. So him holding for another year, as long as he stays healthy, I don't think is out of the question at all.
2: I think you also it, like if you are getting to to Roman and Cody, that's your destination. I do think you somewhat have to change the roadmap on top of it in in that you just go back to the same playbook that Cody wins the rumble and it's just the same. Like, I, I think you, you need to put some like some changes in the, in, in the destination in terms of just how you get there uh, for, for Cody uh, on top of it. And, and I wouldn't even throw out that the, the, the notion I think it would be, there would be plenty of people after what they did last year that you will have a compelling um, belief that Roman could retain the title again and you mm-hmm. extend it. So, yeah, especially if it's against Dwayne, I don't think they're in a bad position. Obviously, they're not. It's an uh,
0: embarrassment of riches. They can't. And the wrong fact is, him.
2: like the rock will take precedence. And if he is yeah. willing to do it, he's doing it and he's got the match. So uh, thank you very much, Andy, for that question. Let's go up next
0: to Timu, who sends 10 euro. Thank you, Timu. He says, here's a 10 question during your time as a wrestling fan. How many how many matches have you seen that you'd give five stars to? Is it one to five, five to 10, 10 to 20? If you had to pick an approximate range. Thank you for the show
2: um i'd say over 20
0: yeah i would say over 22 like in the g1 alone i feel like we give well maybe not too many like double xls but i'm not somebody to like really rate matches and i don't really think john is either at least not officially we just kind of go by feeling but i would i wouldn't be surprised if i it was over 20 we watched a lot of wrestling matches and especially in recent years a lot of great wrestling matches so five is not even that (laughs) just a five-star match big deal all right, let's go to Slim Steber, who sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Slim. He says thoughts on the idea brought up on the NWA podcast of Cody being the one to introduce Jade Cargill, possibly as a surprise in a mixed tag with Rhea and Dom.
2: It's it's one way you could introduce her, and it immediately establishes her as something significant um, right out of the gate. Um, yeah, it's one option. I, I've, th- th- there's plenty of them. I I think that you could uh, you could go with. I I, I still feel that going through NXT, I think honestly for her it would be beneficial that she gets in several months at NXT before she goes up.
0: As the person to beat Becky Lynch for the NXT championship, I think it's actually the perfect time for her to enter NXT. She wouldn't even necessarily be seen as an NXT talent if you if you're making her beat Becky Lynch, right? Like automatically you give her the credibility of somebody who's beyond just a typical main roster Uh, performer Um, but she has obligations to be in NXT so she'll stay in NXT and she could develop that way but no matter what there's going to be huge spotlight on her and she's going to be put into big matches Um, I I think there are so many ways that they could play with it it's you know it's a really great chip for them and that's it for Super Chats
2: okay let us go on over forum.postwrestling.com I'm going to start off here with Manny from Pacoima Uh, Kofi versus Ivar was a solid match And the moonsault had me cheering for Ivar To get the win Champa versus uh, the ring general (laughs) Should be a straight up brawl When it happens With WWE starting their California loop The Aztec warrior battle of Dominic versus Dragon Lee Is enough to make me want to make the trip to Ontario Whether it happens or not It's on me uh, now on to Nia Jax. Now that her gimmick is them leaning into her injuring people, Chelsea should harness the power of the tag title curse and use it on Nia, thus ridding WWE of the evil. Okay, Manny is uh, very excitable tonight.
0: Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> so I know why you skipped the first one. There's, there's no periods at all in this one. So sorry, Jesse from Cincinnati. Kind of hard to read uh, without punctuation here. I'm guessing his period key is broken on his keyboard all right let's go to Muggin who says a solid episode that put an end to the last temptation of jay uso cody bookending the show by having jay's back when drew couldn't let go of what he did years ago makes total sense kofi and ivor were surprisingly good and it was neat to see dragon lee pop up i don't think the north american title match next week will end without any treachery i'd bet no mercy will make it a triple threat match interesting okay very possible right
2: well, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in tonight to Rewind a Raw. Uh, up next is coming your way Tuesday night, ten fifteen Eastern, here on the Post YouTube channel with Davey Portman and Way, uh, not waiting with Davey Portman and Braden Harrington, who will have you covered for a- NXT on Tuesday. On Wednesday, myself and Brandon Thurston will be live at three p.m. Eastern, and I think this is a worldwide exclusive. We have Bill. From Wrestletix, I think his first interview ever. We have Mister Wrestletix. <laughs> I didn't himself. even know there was a name. Yes, is, he, his name's Bill. Wow, learn. I get to learn hear everything about the man behind Wrestletix this coming Wednesday. Is there video? Um, I, I can't. I can't answer that. I don't know. Goodness, I don't know. he's a very mysterious man. So I look forward to uh, chatting with him for the first time. Like big, uh, big reveal here. Yes, that's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night, Wayne and I will be live at 10 Eastern after Grand Slam and chatting everything from Arthur Ashe Stadium. And then rewind away on Thursday at postwrestlingcafe.com with The Last of McGinnis chatting about the 2013 documentary covering uh, the final matches of Nigel McGuinness's career, which uh, he ended in 2011 and goes in-depth into why he was retiring at that time. His the loss of his WWE contract in 2009 and his, uh his shortened TNA run, which was where he went after he lost the the deal with WWE, a pretty brutally honest uh, documentary. And probably a lot of people have seen the WWE's uh, documentary on Nigel McGinnis. Um, This one to me, it was just, it was a lot more raw and emotional and like a lot of WWE stories. It's like, it's like some happy message at the end of it all. And this is one that kind of just leaves you with that, this is my reality and you're kind of left with um kind of you know where where this guy was and whether he considered his career success or not
0: the happy ending is the present so we'll, we'll be watching it through a bit of a different lens than we did um on 13 what 10 years ago i guess mm-hmm. um so yeah for those of you who are following us on the free feed we do free shows pretty much uh you know several times a week but if you want to catch us throughout the weekend join at where. We're with you pretty much more than every single day uh, with with, you know, Rewind Away, Rewind to Smackdown Friday weekends with the collision course. And I believe, do we have a New Japan review on the Yes s- on Sunday? Sunday?
2: Wow. Fantastic. Four shows on mm-hmm. four straight days beginning mm-hmm. thursday also i, I did want to let people know uh next week we're doing an ask away show so please leave your questions at forum.postwrestling.com in the thread there any and all questions welcome but you can uh pile those up and we'll be getting to the mailbag show next week but that is it thank you for tuning in to rewind a Raw.